Welcome to Faith Family in the Force. I'm Oliver. And I'm Annabeth. Faith Family in the Force is a podcast about just that, our faith, our family, and our experiences as Olivers in the Air Force. And on today's episode, we talk about our first deployment. We hope you enjoy this show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Okay, guys, so we have an awesome episode planned out today talking about our deployment. I say our deployment because, yes, even though I was gone, Annabeth is definitely included in this process. And I'm a big fan of, you know, being there and talking about how um, the member who's being deployed and also the spouse are in it together, you know. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen to the pre-deployment episode and that can catch you up on all the stuff that we did and we thought was super useful before the deployment, hence pre-deployment. And now we're going to dive right in. Yeah, we have a lot to cover even in the short-ish deployment that Oliver had. We had a lot of stuff happen, learned a lot, so... It might be a longer episode, but I think worth the listen, hopefully. Definitely. So first, I'll just caveat it. Um, Used to, like back in the day, think when we went to war with Iraq and invaded Iraq the first time and did all that cool stuff, like when we were all little, I say we, I mean like, I don't know, let's just say like 20 years ago, right? Deployments used to be like a year long or even longer, specifically for the army. Now the military and just in general, the Department of Defense has like kind of understood that like a year long deployment is a long time to be away from family. And there's a lot of things that can go on. So when we talk about deployment timeframes for us specifically for Annabeth and I will talk in a time frame of deployments less than six months. So that kind of just gives you some perspective and, and you can just imagine how much diff, much more difficult a deployment would be if it was a year or even a year and a half like they have been. Do people still have year-long deployments at all? Yes, I do believe so. I think the Army and even the Air Force, I can't speak to the Navy stuff because they do stuff on boats and whatnot, but I know for a fact the Army and the Air Force have what they call 365s, which is like a year-long deployment. And Normally, they do like a couple weeks of R&R and stuff during it throughout it, Um, but I can't entirely speak to that. So we'll just talk in terms of six months or less for our deployments. Gotcha. So first, we're going to start out just talking about how we communicated with each other and what that was like. Absolutely. So it's going to sound really, really funny and just simple. We just talked on the phone. Um, We talked mostly via FaceTime. Mm -hmm and text. We both are huge Apple iPhone fans, so we love our little blue Wi-Fi messaging using iMessage. Uh, We also had WhatsApp, but I don't think, Annabeth never had WhatsApp, but I actually talked to a lot of people via WhatsApp just because it works really well on Wi-Fi. Good resource. So Oliver didn't get an international plan for when he was gone. Um, which we didn't really end up needing. We could have used it maybe a few times. But for the most part, he had Wi-Fi 90% of the time, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So with my unique being a pilot, just in general, it's really hard to flight plan and file flight plans without internet. And just so you kind of have all those like bougie stereotypes about the Air Force guys and stuff having to be in nice hotels. 
it generally revolves around the fact that we need working internet and the international plan. Um, that's something I got recommended to from a bunch of guys in my squadron just because we're gone all the time and whatnot. Um, a lot of them like just different ones. Some of them didn't do it. Some of them did. The guys that had international plans definitely weren't chained down to making phone calls when we were like at the hotel or on our deployment site or whatever the case is near the internet. So that there was a little bit of freedom there. And if we were out and about, you know, it was nice to be able to hop on their hotspot or whatever. Um, it just, you know, just kind of got away if the juice is worth a squeeze. But for us, we were very, very blessed the fact that we could just text and FaceTime very regularly. Yeah, it was really nice. And I think when Oliver first got there since COVID added, you know, an extra layer to everything this past year and especially his deployment. So he had to quarantine for the first two weeks that he was there and that actually was kind of good because he got used to the time zone. We got used to the time difference and were able to talk pretty regularly, regularly those first two weeks. Um, and then once he started doing his job and flying and different things like that, um, the days he wasn't flying, we got to FaceTime um, but the days that you did fly, I did not expect to FaceTime or even have a lengthy text conversation with you because I knew you were going to be gone for several hours flying. Yeah, so that was something that, like, if you listen to the last episode, we talked about expectations. And that's just kind of the expectation, even when I'm stateside flying and doing work, is that I'll text Annabeth, you know, or tell her goodbye, like, I'll see you later. And then the occasional text at lunchtime. But I just, we don't text throughout the day most of the time because I'm either busy, I'm flying, or she's busy. And plus, like, it's kind of silly. We, we do that thing where we, like, save our conversations throughout the day instead of just immediately texting like, oh my gosh, I saw this, I thought of you, we'll just be like, oh, I'll just tell her later. And then we have all these cool conversations. And hence, honestly, how we started a podcast is kind of how that happened. But um, to that end, so that was just the expectation of when I'm gone and flying, that I just, I don't text and what to text before I take off. And when I land, like I just, that's about it. So. Yeah. And then. I would say if you're the spouse and at home, you just have to be understanding of those work hours. And I knew he would text me before he left to go fly, and I would not expect to hear from him for at least 8 to 16 hours later, just depending on – because I didn't know where he was flying or what he was doing. Um, and usually he would try to tell me, like give me a little bit of a guess of when he would – be able to text me again. Um, so that was just, I knew not to expect to talk to him those days, but the days that he wasn't flying, we, we did get to talk and FaceTime a good bit, I would say. Definitely. And just remember time zone plays a huge difference. Um, a lot of times I would be awake. I would like text Annabeth goodnight and then I would still be flying and be awake and then she would wake up and then I would still text her or this, I would see that she was up with Jude on uh, his little outlet monitor that we have that we very much enjoy. Um, and then I would send her a text. It was just kind of, it was kind of interesting. It was really funny that like all hours of the night, 
whether it was nighttime in America or nighttime wherever I was, like most of the time we were awake. Yeah. But going off of that, the coolest thing was we have the outlet monitor, like Oliver said, and it's um, through an app on your phone. And so Oliver literally could pull up the app on his phone all the way from however many miles, hours away he was, like forever away, like literally on a different continent. And he could see Jude on the monitor sleeping. Like how cool, crazy is that? Yeah, I thought it, it, so a lot of my buddies thought it was kind of creepy, but they were all past that point of having kids and like the cool monitors like we do now in 2021 and stuff. Uh, I thought it was awesome because I could literally hear my boy breathe and like it was extremely comforting, comforting, excuse me, and joyful. And it was, is, is, I mean, it's pretty much live. It's live feed as well as our doorbell. We have a Google doorbell. And so it's just always funny when it would get a notification or Annabeth would get all the Amazon packages and I would see who was coming up to our door. It gave me a peace of mind once again when like, okay, guys, like sidebar 2021, it's... It's so weird if someone rings my doorbell and it's not FedEx, UPS, or the Amazon delivery guy. Like, if you're a door-to-door salesman, I'm sorry. Like, let's get you some marketing lessons and, like, learn how to run ads on Facebook and Instagram. Like, we're done selling, going door-to-door. Just don't, like, what? Just, that's so weird. Anyways, unsidebar. One of the things that we really enjoyed was the Bible plans via the Bible app. Yeah, that was just kind of another way for us to stay connected and communicate and we would take turns picking different ones. So Oliver would pick maybe a five-day plan, and we would read through that together. And then when we were done, I would pick a plan, you know, and just go back and forth the whole time he was deployed pretty much. And we actually did find, I just did a search on there, like deployment devotional or something like that. And we found a really good one that we enjoyed. Um, It was a long, I think it was like a whole month plan. Um, so I thought that was super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And we even carried that over to our like day-to-day Bible study with each other. We Right now, we're if you go back and listen to a couple more episodes ago, we talked about Lent. And we're in the Lenten season, and we're doing a Lenten devotion, devotional. Um, and I'm really enjoying that. And it's, it's cool to do it with each other because we can talk about it, or we can just comment, or sometimes we don't have to talk about it. We just know each read it because we can hold each other accountable. And so that was really sweet. So kind of moving on, um, one of the things that I wish and that Annabeth did, but like I wish I would have done a little bit better was send pictures. And obviously like being deployed and stuff, there's certain things you don't take pictures of and just, you know, maintaining good operational security about it. But I wish I would have taken a couple more pictures than I had. I have some cool like pictures and whatnot and videos, but that was uh, another way that like the stuff I could send her like was communicating and like the pictures of us hanging out in our dorm rooms and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's very uh, Hollywood-esque sometimes when I think about it. Yeah. And then for me, I mean, I was constantly sending all of her pictures and videos of Jude just to keep him updated. And Jude was... constantly learning new stuff and so that always made him feel a little bit more connected being able to see Jude every day like that and then of course he would see Jude when he FaceTimed as well but pictures and videos were always fun so I have a question though when 
because sometimes we would FaceTime, but you can only talk for 30 minutes or you were tired or how did we go about that instead of just sitting on the phone for two hours? And sometimes you're like, oh, we like, we want to stay on the FaceTime. We want to stay on the FaceTime. <laughs> we want to stay on FaceTime um, because we have the time but we didn't have anything to necessarily talk about and it got i don't know kind of weird kind of weird sometimes you know what i mean like that weirdness where you're just kind of like looking at each other yeah. on FaceTime or you're like not really even paying attention to it anymore yeah i don't know for us i always like i can enjoy an awkward pause as much as the next person like i thrive in that environment but i will say that I was, there was always something I could have been doing, whether it was going to get more food or going to the gym or watching TV with the bros and stuff, you know, like just kind of messing around, you know, just going on a walk or whatever I was, could have been doing. And so like a lot of times I would just be like, okay, like there's a huge lull in the conversation. Like it's okay to hang up. And like, I know we wanted to stay on the phone and talk and talk and talk, but at the same time, we wouldn't do that at home. Like we don't call each other when we're driving and talk and talk and talk and then stop talking and just sit on the phone with each other. So I would, I would say it's okay if there's like a dead space just to be like, Hey, I got to go do this thing and you know, go fold the laundry or whatever. And just be happy that you had the conversation with each other. I think you have to find that balance. And especially for Oliver, after he had flown for 16 hours or some crazy amount, he didn't want to spend the, you know, entire next morning on FaceTime. And I had to be understanding with that. And so, but also I still expected him to talk to me. I didn't expect him to talk to me for two hours, but I did expect at least a 30 minute phone call. So I think you have to find that balance and like, we were, you know, said earlier the expectations, um, and communicate that with each other for sure. Absolutely. And this kind of, one of the things that's really interesting when you, if you've never been on a deployment or if you're a spouse listening, who's, um, significant other is going to deploy in the future or just whatever. So some jobs legitimately have like Monday to Friday type jobs, I and a lot of pilots work 24-7. Like, I didn't have any days off. And when I had scheduled days, I wasn't flying. I think I had maybe two days the entire time I was gone where they were like, don't come into work, just stay in your dorm room, go to the gym, hang out. Like, take take a legitimate day off. And that was it. But there were some people who worked, you know, like work schedules, Monday through Fridays or, you know, Tuesday through Sunday or whatever the case was. And so that can allow in some extra freedom and time to have those conversations, whereas you're not necessarily talking to your significant other during their work week, you know, but then on their weekend, if you will, you can build in some extra conversation. Yeah. But that was a thing I was so surprised when he told me because I was like, oh, you don't just get Saturday and Sunday off like normal. I didn't even think about that before you left. And he really did work pretty much every day even if I mean it was a lot more intensive when he was flying but even when he wasn't flying he still had to go in and prepare for the next flight and um so that was something I had to get used to pretty quickly because I didn't 
realize it was going to be, your schedule was going to be like that. But then we also know other pilots that flew other planes that had like a week or two where they worked a desk job and they didn't fly. So that was like a weird thing in their schedule. So I think it really depends on your job and like what they need at the time. Absolutely. So kind of moving on from some of the communication, I'm going to come back with a cool story a little bit uh, later to break up some of the what we have written down here and kind of our little list that we're going on, trying to keep us on the straight and narrow here. But some stuff we did for each other um, that wasn't just in the communication realm was Annabeth had this awesome idea to create a playlist. And it's as cheesy as it sounds. Like it's the 2020 version of, of a mixtape. And we just went on to YouTube and the instructions are right there. Just create a playlist. And she threw in some of our favorite songs that we love singing together. Songs that are like define us as being a couple as well as some just funny songs from, you know, like 2009, 2010 that we love. Well, it started with because we still were doing our marriage journal every week when Oliver was gone. So one of the questions in our marriage journal is what can I do for you this week? And so I one of the... <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So he asked, you know, what can I do for you this week? And I said he could just send me some songs when he was thinking about it or that made him think about me or whatever. And then he didn't do that. It took That's him, why I was laughing. It took him like a month or, or at least two weeks to send me any songs. But he like exceeded my expectations and made me a whole playlist on YouTube, which was really sweet. So then I made him a playlist on YouTube in return. What was your favorite song that I put on there? Do you remember any of them? Um, you paved paradise and put up a parking lot. <laughs> I don't think that was even on there. <laughs> no, but it's it should have been. <laughs> so who sings that? Is that Train? I don't even know. Yeah. All right. So DM us on Instagram if you're listening to this and you can tell us who sings that song. Well, I, your playlist that you made for me, it was really good. I mean, of course, it had some Beatles on there. Always loved the Beatles. Um, Here Here Comes the Sun was one of the songs you put on mine because it's what you walked out to at our wedding. Super nostalgic. I cried like a baby. Yeah. So that's a really fun, easy thing to do and a really fun thing to do for each other um, when one of you is deployed. The uh, A couple other things we did, I actually bought him Creed Bratton, like from The Office, is like an actual musician, and he had a new album come out. And if you go on iTunes, you can buy an album for somebody else. And so I literally bought it bought it (laughs) bought it (laughs) y'all I'm tired um and then you just type in the person's email address and it sends it to him over email so I was like this is a fun little I can get you a present but I don't have to really do anything absolutely one of the things I did for Annabeth and she kind of came up with the idea so like she kind of did it for herself but it was for me well she told me to do it yeah, you know, if you're a good husband or a good spouse out there and your significant other starts sending you all these links for things they want, you better click on them and like at least do the due diligence, you know, and get some 
information about it and what they actually want. So the thing is called a Brave Crate, and it's a monthly subscription box that has all these cool knickknacks and just different things in there. I think it was like 30 bucks a month for the three. I only got it for three months um, when I was gone. But So she was just going to get a box that had just different stuff to do, like all these cool um there were some like chip clips in it one time. That's the only thing I can think of. What else was in there? It had it's just a bunch of different products, um, but it's specifically for military wives when or significant others. You know when your spouse is gone, and so you get just fun like. I don't know, like Oliver said, knickknacks. I don't really, I wouldn't even say that. But. They made her really happy, so it yeah. made me happy. Well, it's fun because I got a present every month while he was gone. But then it also has like a countdown calendar for to count down, you know, to when your spouse is coming back. And then you can join their Facebook group and they have different resources and, uh, you know, articles and all kinds of stuff on there. I really enjoyed it. And of course, um, besides the Brave Crate, I also sent Annabeth some flowers, which is just a classic, if you're deployed, like send some flowers, like flowers go a long way, even though they die shortly after, it still is the thought that counts, it's the ultimate, you know, thing to get. Mm-hmm. And then a couple other things, we said this, I think last episode, Amazon will ship to basically wherever. And so I sent Oliver some stuff from Amazon that he needed. Um, I also sent him some cookies from a bakery that would mail. I didn't have to pay for shipping to military installments. Yeah, so the way that works, just real quick. um, Normally, most deployed locations run off of APO. And a lot of people have seen that before and stuff. When you, like, click on, you know, they set your shipping address and stuff. All that essentially means for real layman's is Army Post Office. So it just goes to what you would consider a normal post office, but on a military base. And they do it the same way. And there's a lot of very interesting things. Some, a lot of companies will be able to ship free to these. And so just be on the lookout for that. And even ask, like if you're, especially if you're shipping something to your significant other's unit, like the squadron that's there or a bunch of guys that are there to, you know, bring, bring up morale. If you ask that company, like, Hey, this is for this, you'd be surprised. So surprised what people would do to like help out the troops downrange. And I think one of the girls that you were deployed with, you had told her about Brave Crate and she said she wished she could do something like that for her husband, but it was very girly, (laughs) Brave Crate is. Um, And I would suggest looking at man crates. And I think man crates can also ship to military installations as well. So either way. Um, it's not a monthly subscription thing, but they have some really cool boxes of just all kinds of stuff. I think they have like beef jerky boxes and I don't know, (laughs) just go to their website. (laughs) (laughs) We'll link Brave Crate and Man Crate websites as well as some just ideas in general. So... Wait, so do you want to tell your story now? Okay, quick story. So there I was, and if you laughed at that, then you understand the joke. All pilots normally start a good story with, there I was. Um, So there I was in the middle of nowhere, about to fly off, you know, fly a mission, 
do all that good stuff. And a lot of our missions, we had lots and lots of stops on them. I'm not going to talk about places or details or anything, but just normally the way it works is you fly to one place, pick up some stuff, fly to another place, drop some stuff off, pick up some more stuff, do that a couple times, rinse and repeat. So just imagine FedEx in you know, the military. And so I had not been packing. I'll just preface this. I had not been packing like a go bag because I hadn't needed to stay anywhere overnight. So I just been taking my backpack with my snacks and like my books and all my flying equipment. So I hadn't been taking an extra change of clothes, toothpaste, toothbrush, nothing. So you can imagine where the story is going. And also I didn't, I had gotten in the habit of not flying with my phone because I didn't have an international plan and there wasn't necessarily Wi-Fi everywhere. So I just was leaving my phone in my room. So fast forward, we are flying and we fly to this one place and our plane breaks down. And if you didn't know, a lot planes break really easy, way more than cars do. However, you can actually fly with a broken plane depending on what part of it's broken. A lot of times with cars and stuff, oh, you can have a little bit of a break, but much past a little bit of a break, it's like super broken. With the plane, like stuff can be broke, broke, and you can still fly it, and you just don't even know. So that was a whole conversation I had with Annabeth that kind of blew her mind and still blows my mind too, even as a pilot. So our plane broke down, and it's broke, broke, like bad. It's hot outside. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, oh man, I don't have any clothes or a toothbrush or toothpaste. I don't even have my phone. I'm like, nah, this won't be too bad. And so a lot of times we flew at night and we also flew during the day. Normally we take off during the day and then we come back home at night just because it's cooler and stuff, stuff like that. And sometimes we did the other way around, whatever. Anyways, so it's starting to get nighttime and we're still out at the plane trying to fix the plane, working on it and stuff. Nothing's happening. And then I decided to take a nap underneath the plane on the little apron where we were parked because we weren't on the runway and stuff. If you don't know how airports work, we, that's a whole nother conversation. Just message me and we can talk about it. Anyway, so I was like sleeping underneath the plane with the other crew members because we were just at this point waiting. And then the sun came up and then in where I was in the specific part of the world, they pray, they play their call to prayers in the morning. And so that woke me up at like four or something in the morning. And I was really spooked out and had forgotten where I was because I was sleeping so hard anyways. So we spent the whole night underneath the plane, the guys come and get us and we go to these like hotel rooms. And when I say hotel rooms, I mean, imagine like the cockroach, infested like motel that you see in the movies and it's just disgusting the there's like literally just a pipe with leaky water coming out and that was like our shower there wasn't and don't forget he doesn't have anything like no change of clothes no deodorant nothing <laughs> so there i am all just excited not to be sleeping on the plane again because it's not comfortable so terrible terrible conditions but I got like a mattress and I described the mattress as like a raw mattress, like no sheets, no nothing, just like with some holes in it. it just, it's bad y'all. And so a day goes by and we're sitting there. Y'all, I did not hear for him from him for three days. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. 
I know. I mean, it kind of was because you didn't bring your phone or anything. But for three days, nothing. Had no idea where he was, what was going on. No communication at all. This is the story that she knows. But anyways, to speed up the story along, a handful of days goes by. I end up bumming a hotspot off somebody and... Like, I think I used it, logged into my email on my iPad off the hotspot and shot her an email. And she responded with, oh, yeah, I figured you broke down because so-and-so's wife already called me and all this stuff. So there's a story to say, though, that, like, if you set a good expectation, <laughs> you have to follow through because she was expecting to get a text message when I landed and she didn't. So kind of learned a little bit of a lesson. Yes, but also I – it had been – I think two days before I heard anything. Um, and thankfully one of the guys that was, he was deployed with got in touch with his wife and then his wife contacted me and was like, Hey, Oliver's plane broke down. They're fine. They're going to come back in a few days, hopefully. <laughs> and he doesn't have his phone. And I assume that's what happened, but that's what I want to say is, when your spouse is deployed, like do not just automatically, if you have not heard from them or you see something on the news that's happening wherever they're deployed, you know, whatever the case is, like don't automatically jump to worst case scenario. Like you have to keep a calm level head. And like, for me, I was like, no news is good news because if he was dead, like they probably would have told me by now. <laughs> so um, I had to just, keep reminding myself that honestly so also like i learned to pack an extra pair of clothes like now i i don't even fly around the united states (laughs) without an extra pair of clothes so that's just how it is um and also my pants and shirts were so stale after like five days no i wear them right now like all the time just wash them and stuff it's fine but anyway so we'll move on um So something that friends and family can do for us as me, the person who was deployed, it's right away. My gut instinct is like, I want my friends and family to check in and be very active with Annabeth, actually checking in on the home front because taking away the stress of what's going on at home for me and like, carrying that burden was a huge is and was a huge deal when I'm gone and on deployments. Also, like I do appreciate like the text message of, Hey, just checking in hope everything's going okay. And like, you're never like, you may be too busy to respond immediately. And I just don't want people to be like, Oh, they're too busy. They're not going to say anything. Therefore I'm not even going to reach out. Like that is such a fallacy. And I think that even spills over into when you're parenting and have a kid and you're not like, it's just, it's this life. Like just shoot a text and don't worry about the respond. Don't have a huge expectation over it. Just reach out and be there for somebody. Yeah. That's what I would tell people too. If for, for the person that's deployed, like friends and family just still reach out because I had, I think people, one, a lot of people assumed like, oh, he won't be able to get text messages, like he's in another country, you know, whatever, but it's 2021, like 
you can get a text message, you can get a phone, you know, FaceTime, email, whatever. And people kind of just, I mean, they talk, they asked me how you were doing and stuff, which was very nice. But just because you were gone doesn't mean that you were gone. <laughs> like people could still connect and send you encourage, you know, words of encouragement. And I think that's what I would tell people the best thing you can do for a person that's deployed. Um, because just know like, Hey, we haven't forgotten about you, you know? And sometimes you needed those words of encouragement. Absolutely. I would say it was, uh, it was a big deal. Like I really appreciated it when people reached out and it's funny because even now, like the only conversation I look through my phone history and outside of work stuff is just like my mom and Annabeth and her parents. And it's, it just cracks me up to, you know, kind of when you condense your world into what's in your phone and people who reach out, what it shows. Yeah. So I would say what people can do for the person that's at home while their loved ones are gone. Um, for me, I learned really quickly, like I I did have people do this, but I wish people, more people would have done it or a few people would have done it more, I guess. Um, either way is just, especially with having a baby, but even if you don't have kids and it's just you, um, just invite people over. Like I just wanted more people or like I said, people to do this more, um, just say like, Hey, do you and you just want to come over this Saturday and hang out? Or, Hey, can I come over to your house and like hang out with y'all this week? Like something so simple, but like it gets old when, you know, you do, you're doing the same thing and taking care of a baby every day and you cook dinner every night for one person. Like, just even that makes a huge difference of somebody else cooking dinner for you or just having somebody else to sit down and eat dinner with and having an adult conversation. Yeah, I would say if you find yourself trying to support a family or someone that's deployed and you're saying, oh, just let me know if you need anything, you're doing it wrong. I would say that's that is something that is, it's going to sound harsh, but it's just, it's very surface level. It's not, it's just not good. It's kind of lame to be honest. Because if people ask me, Hey, let me know if I can do anything. I'm probably not going to, I'm just going to say, okay, thank you. But if somebody says, Hey, I'm bringing you dinner this week, what day works for you? Then I'm going to say, Oh, Thursday. Thank you. You know? Um, or, Hey, I'm going to watch Jude for you this week. What day can I come? Or I'm going to watch Jude Saturday at 10 from 10 to 2 or whatever. And I would say, okay, thank you. But if somebody just like, oh, what can I do for you? I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, can you watch Jude from 10 to 2 on Saturday? Um, So I think that level, it just, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. And I think that was something, that was something I noticed and even like continue to notice sometimes, but I would, I would just encourage you as someone who's listening to just be active about it and set a time and a place and don't put the ball back in the person you're trying to help because they're, don't put it back in their court because their hands are already full. 
and they're already juggling enough stuff. And if they really need that help, you need to help them get the help. That, does that make sense? Like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. So, um, the last couple things that I want to say and Oliver can add to this. So a lot of times you'll see when a spouse is gone that the spouse at home will make these big goals to do during the deployment. So whether that's like running a 5K or a half marathon or, you know, renovating their house in some way or, you know, growing a garden or traveling, not as much (laughs) recently because COVID, but um, traveling overseas or learning how to ski, you know, whatever the case is, they set some goal to do during their deployment, one, so that they have something to keep them busy, to keep them occupied, and two, so that they can grow on their own while their spouse is gone, also growing on their own. Um, and I would highly recommend doing something like that. I think that's a great idea. It's going to just make you have, you know, grow as a person and have something to look forward to, have fun. And I highly recommend. I think it's great. But what I want to say is, if that's not for you or that's not something that you can do to make this like big goal of whatever to do during deployment, like that is okay. And you don't have to feel guilty if you aren't running a half marathon or renovating your house or whatever when your spouse is deployed because you see other people doing that. And I don't think during a deployment you should, I think you should try your best to thrive and not just survive But sometimes, like, all we can do is just survive some days, and that's okay. And you don't have to feel guilty about that, especially if you have kids. And not to take away from people that don't have kids during a deployment, because, you know, sometimes you just are taking care of your dogs and going to work, and that's all you can do, and that's okay. And if you have kids, like, sometimes you're just literally changing diapers and running around with your kids all day and you don't have time to clean the house or to paint your bedroom or to run, you know, whatever. And that's okay. And you don't have to feel guilty that you didn't get certain things done while your spouse was gone because when your spouse comes back, he's probably not going to be like, oh, wow, you didn't run a 5k or, oh, you, the house isn't, perfectly spotless like he's just going to be happy to be home and to see you yeah absolutely Uh, I was extremely happy to be home but I would I would tag on to that and like setting and we talk about setting goals and resolutions and stuff we're we're big on that but understanding like setting little micro goals I think can help with that for either person who's deployed or at home whichever one, like you should have goals in your deployment to better yourself, whether that's reading more books or doing education or trying to learn a new skill or hobby or whatever the case is, you can still do that stuff. Like life doesn't stop just because you're deployed and working. That was something I had to kind of learn. And I felt like, felt like I was at a weird summer camp sometimes. 
and I missed out on like movie releases and music and stuff like time kind of stood still, but that's a whole nother podcast for another time. Um, I would, it, Annabeth, you know, hit the head on the nail, hit the nail on the head. It's getting late here. But, uh, with that, it is okay. Have some grace, have some mercy, dust yourself off, get back up and keep checking along to your goals and get that countdown calendar going, um, until, your significant other who's deployed gets moved back two weeks and then another two weeks and another two weeks, but that's going to happen. That's part of it too. Yeah. Okay. And then this is one of the things I heard when Oliver was gone that was super helpful to me. And then I actually shared it with him and I think it was super helpful for him as well. Um, I heard this on a podcast and it was talking specifically about like stay at home moms. Um, And as a stay-at-home mom, you don't have (laughs) anywhere to get promoted to. You don't, you aren't going to get a raise. Um, And sometimes it's just a thankless job and not much reward of just doing very mundane, everyday life of changing diapers and doing laundry and different things like that. But... When you're doing that, um, that gives you an opportunity to become not just grow closer to Christ, but become more like Christ because he came as a servant and, you know, did not get anything that he deserved, but didn't ask for anything either. And he just served people and, you know, a lot of times did not get thanked or get credit for it. And so when we're in those mundane moments, that's just an opportunity for us to become more like Christ. And I, when I heard that, it was super helpful to me, like as a stay-at-home mom with Jude, especially while Oliver was gone. But then I got to thinking about it, and I think this can apply to anyone's life, but I, you know— told Oliver, I sent him a, a long, I think it was in an email actually, um, and told him this. And I was like, you know, yes, in your job, you can get promoted and you can get, you get pay raises and different things like that. But when you're deployed, like the whole world is still like moving on and going on without you basically and you're gone and it is sometimes a thankless job and you're doing this just weird (laughs) you know I don't know being deployed it's just you're in a weird world kind of on your own and I think that being deployed is, like I said, an op- another opportunity to not just grow closer to Christ, but become more Christ-like. And not that, like, I don't want anyone to think, like, I'm not saying you are Christ or get a big head about this, but, like, Christ came, like I said, to serve and to give His life for all of us. And as a military member, like, Thankfully, Oliver, you know, came back without, you know, any harm done to him. But, you know, you you know what you signed up for in that 
you ultimately could give your life for protecting Americans, our country, our freedom. And like I said, don't, don't hear me wrong. Like I don't think, you know, you're Jesus or anything, but that is an opportunity that I think you should not take lightly in that you are, can become more like Christ in that way and serving your country in that way. Absolutely. And if you guys could see my head right now, it is huge. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, thanks, Annabeth. That was really sweet. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, guys, deployment's hard, fun, challenging. But the biggest thing I can say is that Annabeth and I both grew individually. We grew in our marriage and we just we grew vertically towards God, you know. And that was something that was really, really important to me. And that was my first deployment of many. I'm hoping to my career get, I'd like to get, I think like six or seven. I think that's a good solid number. But, um, and some guys, I, I know guys who have like 15 to 20 deployments who've done whole careers where they're gone, you know, once a year, sometimes twice a year. And then I know guys who've gone all 20 years of the career and done maybe one deployment or none. So I, Annabeth and I are extremely blessed to really just have a, be in a position to get wisdom and to share our thoughts on this and to just in general wrap our minds around what we do every single day and then what I do when I'm deployed and what she does at home and can have the emotional intelligence to sit here and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it was... Not terrible. I mean, it was not the hardest thing. I mean, it was difficult, you know, with all of you being deployed, but um, I think we handled it pretty well for our first time. And next episode, we'll talk about when Oliver came back and that presented a whole thing of challenges on its own, too. Absolutely. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for next episode, which will be our post-deployment uh, podcast. Everything that we went through afterwards and some tips and tricks and what we learned and just how to thrive. Bye.